All right, welcome back to the Metric Stack podcast. Today, straight from San Francisco, we're joined by Donna Weber, the world's leading expert in customer onboarding. Donna has helped high growth startups and established enterprises create lifetime customers. And I'd encourage everybody to check out her new book as well, Onboarding Matters, How Successful Companies Transform from New Businesses, New Customers into Loyal Champions. My name is Alan Villa, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Lauren Thibodeau. Donna, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me here, Alan and Lauren. It's a real pleasure. I'm excited for our conversation today. Thanks so much, Donna, and, and great to see you again. I know we've worked together, and I'm excited for listeners to hear from your incredible experience in this space. So we're going to talk today about time to value. And before we do, could you just set the stage for us? What's the context that people should be kind of having in mind when they're thinking about this metric? Well, so I work with with a lot of companies, high growth companies, focusing on customer onboarding and implementations and enablement. And a lot of companies get very focused on their product, the, the deployment, the go live. But I'm always looking at, well, how are you delivering value to your customers so that they stick around and they buy more? And, and when you say onboarding, are you, you're talking about the whole spectrum, everything from like product-led onboarding to the customer success teams, to the documentation. What, what's the scope of what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, too often companies equate onboarding with implementation that if they see it as a synonym. But I broaden that definition to creating relationships with customers. And of course, it includes the kickoff and the implementation that we're familiar with. But it needs to be more than that. Because just because your product is live doesn't mean it's delivering any value. I worked with one company then they said, great, you know, when we started talking about value and first value, they said, well, we'll get our users to log in. And like logging in does not deliver value to anyone. And Lauren and I have talked about and written about, you know, our goal is not to just make our customers master button clickers in your product. The goal is to make them heroes. And generally, people buy your, or companies buy your products to save money, to make money, to save time, or to be compliant. So if you're not helping them reach those specific goals, you're not delivering value. That's great. And, and Donna, is this a metric that's relevant both for kind of enterprise companies and companies that are selling even business-to-consumer solutions? Well, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, Lauren, let's say you recommend a, a mobile app and you know, you tell me that, I'm like, great, I download it. But if I don't get any value from it, I'm probably never going to even look at it again. I, I don't know about you, but I have several unused apps on my phone that I'll delete when my storage starts to hit the limit. So I need to get value there quickly if they want me to not just use it, but recommend it to somebody else. And we often think about that initial sale, but there's actually three sales. There's the first sale, there's the expansion sale, and then there's the re referral sale. And even in the B2C, so back to that mobile app, how many apps are free, but that they have in-app purchases? So if they need me to, they need me to get the value so that I'm going to buy, you know, more features. That let's pause on that for a second, because that is so important. We always want to create an advocate, you know, every single step of the way. And I think, I think that's often lost on, on sort of the product journey that the whole, the whole customer journey, like every single step of the way, you want to have people telling 10 of their friends how amazing this was, you know, Hey, look at, look at what I found in this, 
in this step of the journey. And then again, like three weeks later, oh, and I, I found something else, right? So I think I think that entire mindset is super important. Now, did any of this exist like 10 years ago? Is this a, is this a new way of thinking? Well, I think 10 years ago, there was the, in, in, you know, in high tech, it was all about probably 20 years ago. <laughs> it was all about the killer app. Everyone was going to make the killer app. And those were the days where, you know, creating software was, uh, was more challenging. But now it's so much easier to create software. And likely your competitors are doing something very similar to your platform. So software is becoming more and more of a commodity. And what sets companies apart becomes more and more the relationship. And uh, research from McKinsey and uh, Bain shows that customers are seeking relationships. And, um, you know, I do see that in the B2C world, there's some more understanding about the psychology, about the way our brains work for purchasing and using um, products. And we have a huge opportunity in the business to business, in the B2B space to seize upon that. Because Alan, even though you're a CEO and maybe you're my buyer and, and I'm looking at Critfolio as my customer, you're still a person who has all these consumer experiences that we're all familiar with now. So, you know, in the B2B space, we're expecting that more and more. Yeah, I think that is, I think that's so true. Uh, at the end of the day, we, we still, we still have the same brain, right? I mean, it's still sort of the, the emotional, the, the, the anxieties of, of learning something new or the, the fundamental fears about, you know, not succeeding, right? So I think that's the same, whether you're an enterprise buyer or, or you're a consumer buyer. So, and, and you're right too, like today's environment is so much more crowded. So we need different ways to sort of relate and, and make that journey really special, even though our products may be very similar to our competitors' products. And I, I've been thinking lately where, you know, we've been in this world where people have been at home a lot more. And so they've, they've jumped online for buying things and having online experiences. Yet at the same time, we're expecting all this personal treatment of, I want this delivered to my door. So in my neighborhood, I can't tell you, people are delivering coffee, they're delivering meals, delivering clothes, delivering diapers. And there's a, a truck pulls up, a big van to groom pets. So, so I, I think it's interesting, like we're way beyond the time that era where we had milk delivered to our doorstep. But in some ways, we, we've got this digital world and then we are wanting things delivered to our doorstep. I think it's going to be this really interesting blend and I see a lot of companies get kind of fixated, high touch, low touch, digital touch, which one? And like, I think it's hybrid. You might have this very high touch engagement, but digital moments. You might have working very high touch for, for let's say, just for onboarding, and then you move to a low touch. Companies need to think a lot more about the right touch at the right time to deliver value. And, and all of those touches must be about delivering value. I love that. The right touch at the right time to deliver value. You heard it here, folks. This is great. Um, <laughs> can you get into some nitty gritty with us for a second, Donna, and just explain, like, how do we actually calculate this metric time to value? And where are you seeing companies actually kind of record it and look at it? Well, so first of all, um, there's more talk about it. I'm not seeing a lot of companies actually track it. But before you can start tracking time to value, you need to know what value means. And it's not just for you as a company, it needs to be meaningful for your customers. So for example, um, I talked with a company that has it, you know, an IoT device, Internet of Things, 
it's a monitor that gets attached to an electrical um i think it's the cord or the or the uh, or the plug in manufacturing plants so their implementation time is very short it might take three minutes right but that doesn't mean customers are getting any value from it the value comes when they provide the the analytics the dashboards the insights so you need to start thinking about that value from the customer's perspective not just oh well it's deployed check we're and just hope they get value. You need to know what what is driving, what what behavior to drive. Another company has a workflow automation platform, and they find that when customers use their product for two or more workflows, they're much more sticky. And a lot of customers would get pretty stuck on their first workflow and would not expand. So how are you going to drive that behavior to get to that second workflow? And that might be through in-product guidance, that might be through self-paced learning pathways, that might be through high-touch strategic uh, customer success manager, it doesn't matter. But you need to know what's meaningful to your customer and how you can get them to that initial value stage. Once you know what the value is, you start to track how long it takes to get there, and then you start to look at how you can reduce that time. So I know a lot of, um, at least a lot of software companies talked about, talk about activation. You want to get to an activated user, right? And I think, you know, the, the famous use case was for, for Facebook or LinkedIn, you had to have seven contacts before you were activated. Um, is that similar to your definition of, you know, there's something in the customer's journey, initial journey that gets them to value. Is that similar to this concept of activation? Well, I like to, when I work with companies, I like them to think beyond, beyond their platforms. So for example, I worked with a, a company that provides a marketing platform for real estate agents. And what happened was um, the real estate agents, their customers were pausing and canceling subscriptions because they were promised all this stuff about the platform. And then they're sitting around waiting for weeks and just with nothing. And so they're like, well, forget it. So, and also their sales cycle is very short. So I think there's more of a kind of B2C approach, right? I also see a correlation between the, the length of a sales cycle and the time you have to deliver value. I'm seeing it needs to be in about half that time. So if your sales cycle is three weeks, you better be delivering value in a week and a half. So when we analyzed their current framework, they would engage the CSMs after the platform went live. And when we started talking about value, you know, what is the value you provide? And I, we brought in founders and executives and it was this big discussion. And what we, what I heard was that our platform is not so different from our competitors. What sets us apart is our exclusive community, our strategic coaching, our thought leaders, our founders are amazing thought leaders. So what we did was the minute the deal closes, we send out a welcome email, we schedule a meeting with the CSM, like in the first week, and then that CSM, while it takes about four to six weeks to get the platform deployed, while the deployment's happening, the CSM is delivering strategic coaching and getting them access to the community and and, um, and all this amazing content. So they're getting value immediately, week one. And then when the platform's live, they're ready to like to, to be all over. So I think that's I think that's an interesting lesson too, right? So so many of my peers really focus on just the product journey, right? I mean, we're PLG obsessed. Everything has to happen inside the product and it's self-serve and super efficient. But I think what's important is that the, the customer who is entering this, this new and, and unknown world could experience value 
through any number of different channels, right? It could be because the support person is talking to them about how they need to structure their data before they even start using the product, right? So I think that's really important. And again, that, that human touch or that, that way to sort of lower the anxiety and increase the, the chances of, you know, I, I'm going to be confident about my success. I think that's really important. Yeah, I'd, I'd pick up on that too. I love that translation of almost activation. You generally you don't hear a customer saying, hey, activate me. Generally, customers would say, hey, I want to get some value. I have a problem like you mentioned, Donna, earlier. You know, I want to save, save money or become more compliant. I love that. That's great. So helping us think through that lens and our listeners think through that lens is really good. How could you talk about, you live almost in wine country down there. <laughs> we love to talk about things that pair nicely with other things. What does this metric play nicely with? What does it work well with in conjunction? Well, from a product-led growth perspective, I would want to pair it with uh, product usage. So not just like, oh, are they using the product, but are they using key features that you know drive to stickiness? Um, and, it, and then also looking for net revenue, retention, and expansion. So it's especially in a consumption model where it's all about starting with smaller amounts and, and, and then expanding quickly. The faster you get to initial value, the more they're going to, they, they'll consume. So that, that's really important. Now, let's actually go back a few, a few minutes as well. And, and I mean, we were, we were talking about what the, what the metric is, how do we calculate it? And, and you gave a few examples of where the measurement or, or the, the time at which the customer sees value, it may be, you know, you get that through an interview or you get that through a survey. You know, how is a company supposed to actually accurately over time track this metric so that they can see if certain programs or certain product changes or resource changes internally that, that they're actually making making a difference? Well, like I said, you really need to define what the value is. And then once you can define it, then you can start to track it. So it may be with that a, a company I, I, I shared about. It might be that they've received some value after three coaching sessions, if that's de deemed. Um, I want to give some examples also about how you can shorten time to first value. Mm -hmm. oh, all right. So just uh, let's say we have two examples, if we have time. Yeah, we have tons of time. Keep going. So one is I'm working with a big data platform. They do ETL, which is Extract, Transform, and Load. And so they, it's like, well, when is onboarding done? And when do they get to value? Well, when they're in production. Well, when, what's production? You know, is that all their data? That could take six months or a year to migrate all their data over. So what we decided was we were going to have one distinct use case. And, um, and, and that, so rather than doing all their data during the initial stages of onboarding, they work the customer to just define that initial use case. And then when that use, when that use case goes live, when that's deployed in production, then that's onboarding is done and that, would, that is value. And we looked at how we can get there even faster is by leveraging what the pre-sales teams, the sales engineers are doing with their uh, proof of concept. So now the pre-sales team passes over all the assets from the proof of concept to the post-sales team. They have technical success managers, data scientists, you know. And so now they're not like recreating the wheel, bam, they can. And so maybe even in the kickoff meeting, they're delivering some value because they have all that. Um, so that that's one example. Go ahead. And then I'll jump in about another one. Yeah. I, I was going to say this, this concept of time to, to value is really like, it's, I think people's patience is getting less and less. Right. And, and I mean, you have that sort of rule of thumb. If the sales cycle takes X, you know, time to value should take half of that. Right. 
So I'm, I'm definitely curious. I, I definitely continue with your second example. I'm curious to see if there's, there's other sort of best practices to really think about how do we really skinny that down so that we get to time to value as quickly as possible. Well, so another example, well, this is, I've done this with several companies now where they needed the customer's data or access to, to their, to data or maybe a third party. And that's holding up the implementation. And, and I just want to highlight that the value is important, one, for customers, but internally, some companies cannot recognize revenue until they've hit a certain milestone, until, until they've delivered value or have gone live. So, for example, I worked with a company that provides software and hardware for medical practices, and they uh, need access to all the insurance companies, all these third-party vendors, which can take a long time. So you, you might be sitting there waiting months just to get access. So what I like to do when anything is, is uh, taking a long time, we move that upstream. And so during the sales cycle of the last stages, we start to tell them we need access to these um, to this data, we need access to these um, third party. Uh, you need to start setting that up now. You know, there's a time that it's yep. appropriate. Yeah, yeah. They're like 80, 90%. Yep. So now they we're starting to get that and we're going to be able to deploy much more quickly. And back to that uh, marketing um, platform. So they needed the marketing listings uh, for their for real estate agents. So that they might wait, take three weeks for the agent to get to them, to get, give them that. So now we have them do that in the in the sales cycle. Like here's the the and we created a um, a uh, online form where they can just enter everything, and so like get get those things done. Or I'm I'm just on a roll. Or another company I worked with, they found that the whole data migration was that when they got their first report, it was like that was the value. So they just sell a package. We do all that data migration for you. We if that's a blocker, take it off the table, do it for them, deliver value. Like, in a Donna, this is, this is like, this is pure gold. Like, this is amazing stuff. So tell me, um, I've got, I have two questions. Like, who should own this in a company? Because like the two groups that come to mind, obviously are customer success and product on the other hand. So let's, let's talk about who should own that. And, and maybe it's a, a blend, maybe it's different depending on what kind of a company you're, you're running. Yeah, yeah depending, well, it depends on the company. I mean, if it's a higher touch, I would onboarding and uh, customer success. If it's a product-led growth, then it'd be like more likely a, a product. If it's product, you know, a, more of a digital touch than product. Yeah, and, 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 and just just an example, like I, 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 um, I worked with a, big, a different big data platform and they, uh, they're moving... Uh, half of their customers to self-service. So we were mapping out a self-service onboarding journey. And actually it's from trial to convert. And so I went through their existing journey and, you know, it was confusing. There's, there's these drop, you know, there's these cliffs that people just completely fall off. Right. And then when I get through that, then I land places where it's like, here's four links to click on. Like, I don't want four links. Just give me the one thing to do. Or these, this was like connected with Azure and, and AWS. And I'd let, like, I literally landed in the Microsoft, like learn everything Microsoft training site. Like, no, just get me to that one Azure thing I need to do. I've got my Azure to your platform. You know, we talked about the right touch at the right time, but the right content for the right user at the right time. Like you need to be prescriptive. If it's in product, it needs to be prescriptive per persona. So, for example, a data scientist is going to have a different um, value point than a data analyst, than a data admin. So you need to know your users and like drive that behavior. Don't just hope they're going to 
Oh, great. I landed on the AWS documentation site. You know, that, that's what that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, we often talk, so, I mean, we're going through this all the time at Clifolia, and we often talk about, you know, what is the green thread that we want somebody to follow? And you're right, you have to sort of segment that by persona, right? So for, you know, the founder exec persona, one of the personas that we have, you know, let's give them this beautiful guided and and let's let's you know fill it in with words that sort of lower anxiety and sort of tell them what the next step is i mean it's hard right but the the, the question that i had was what are sort of the, the everybody knows the chart that you know users come in at the top of the funnel and then if you're lucky you know you get 90 percent of them actually moving on to day two if if you had sort of um your best case scenario of, of good onboarding versus almost no onboarding. How much can onboarding change that, change that, that needle? Well, you know, as we're talking, Alan, I'm thinking about from a sales funnel, companies know how to deliver the right content to the right person at the right time. I mean, that's just a given. It's a given. And they use data to analyze every step. Of the, and, and in the post-sales journey, we need to be having that same kind of sophistication. And sales and marketing, I've been doing that for 10 years now, and customer success is still um, maturing. But that's where we need to be, is like measuring the data and knowing. So, you know, then you can deliver more of that personalized digital touch, but uh, wherever you are in your journey, you're getting the right thing. Too many companies are, they, they do this like, let me show you everything about the products. They overwhelm the customers. They're not driving any use cases, and then they're gone. So can you, you know, get to initial value and then a value, another value moment, a defining a journey of value moments, um, then those customers stick around. And, uh, and so we have a lot to learn from the, from the B2C world. I love it. Can you, just with your experience of customer onboarding and especially value, how would you kind of sum up a couple words of advice for people? If they can only do a couple of things right now, what would you recommend? Well, listen to your customers, find out, just, just pick up the phone. I do like using the phone and, uh, and ask them, what does value mean to you? You know, and how long would you like to wait to get to that? You know, find out in their words, you need to know in their words, then look at ways that people say to me, yeah, but value might be different for every customer. Well, not necessarily, you know, value, you're going to find some bucket, maybe value for large, for different segments or different personas. And then create maybe some uh, three, three different, three value options and, and then create uh, some repeatable, consistent ways to get customers there quickly and measure, measure, get, it, get some benchmarks to see how long it takes. But the first thing is listening to customers and then making sure it's meaningful to them. So if it's all about your product, if you're thinking, great, we'll get them to log in. Oh, great. We'll get them to use this feature that we do. if all you're talking about is your product, then you're in trouble. So you need to be thinking about it from your customer's perspective. Think about what sets you apart from your competitors and um, and how you can kind of deliver that relationship regardless of what kind of touch you have. Donna, th thank you so much. Uh, Donna Weber, everybody, the world's leading expert on customer onboarding. And make sure to check out her new book. Donna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for including me. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.